0: I'd like to acknowledge Australia's First Nation people as the traditional custodians of the land, and for this episode in particular, the Kaurna people. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging.
1: This industry is as challenging as it ever has been. However, that also creates a great opportunity to continually reshape what it is you do and how you do it.
0: This is Over a Glass. I'm Shante Whale. Gemtree Wines is a brand that wears its heart on its sleeve. The winery reflects the kind hearts of the people that make the wine, in balance with the nature on the earth that it is grown. Mike Brown is Chief Winemaker at Gemtree in McLaren Vale. Alongside his wonderful wife, Melissa, they are custodians of their land and farm biodynamically in harmony with nature. Hi, Mike. Thanks for joining me.
1: Oh, Chante, thank you so much. It's an absolute honour to be here.
0: Oh, I always love being
1: able to have a chat with you and hear about what you're
0: doing in your very special place in McLaren Vale. Thank you for pausing in your work today. No doubt you're busy doing something or other in the in the vineyard or in the cellar. Where are you joining joining us from today?
1: I've actually um, <clears throat> jumped into a peaceful place called our home. Um, yeah, I've come. Uh, I've been in the winery this morning. Uh, looking at some 2022 wines, which uh, are very exciting. but I, I sometimes come back to the place that we call home uh, for a bit of <clears throat> uh, reflection. Um, we've got a beautiful, we're very, very fortunate. We've got a beautiful view up into um, the foothills of Mount Lofty Ranges, uh, which runs from Sellex all the way through to the Clare Valley. Um I can see the transformation in uh, what what we're what we're doing viticulturally, and I I like this place um, because I I can sit back and first of all think for myself, and <laughs> although it's it's wonderful to be in touch with all of our staff members and all the people that work, we work with and around our business, this is I suppose this is my place of peace. And uh, to think about the things that I'm doing well and the things, more importantly, probably the things I need to improve on. Um, so this is my happy place.
0: Well, it's so important to have that, that little bit of solace amongst the the havoc of every day. And that's where all mm. those light bulb moments happen. So I'm glad that you have a, a special place you go to. Uh, Mike, tell us a little bit about the background of how you came to be in McLaren uh, and winemaker at Gemtree. I know that there's a little bit of a story about where you're originally from and and where you are today. So tell, fill us in a little bit about about your background.
1: Mm. Are you sure you're ready for this?
0: I, I'm strapped <laughs> in. I'm ready. <laughs>
1: um, well, I'll try to keep it as um, as interesting as possible. So. Um, my parents um, are farmers. They essentially, some of them, well, they're the most beautiful and I think centred um, people that I know. They've, I've just actually celebrated with them in person their 60th wedding anniversary. And they brought up... Um, I've got two older sisters. Um, they... From being from agriculture, they had a very strong connection into um, the place where they were farming and that that um, is no more complicated than understanding that every single season um, you are at I think um, <clears throat> you' you're not in control and so from a young age, um I understood, um, so farming had a deep um, passion and interest within the family. We traveled around to a few different states and um, trying not necessarily to find the holy grail, but um, dad um, continued to i think um, chase that 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 ultimate Um, where is his place going to finish up? And I don't think that ever came to fruition for him, and that's not a bad thing because that was a really interesting learning for the kids to sort of – we lived in New South Wales, we lived in South Australia, we lived in Victoria, and uh, so we went to many different schools. And so um, we were forced, in a way, um, to communicate with people. And so whilst agriculture was our – foundation, um, we had to learn to understand that, you know, perhaps be outside of your comfort zone in some way, shape, or form. So um, I boarded in Sydney um, at um, a great school and was given an opportunity to get a great education, which was – I'm very fortunate to have had that, and I reflect on that often. Um, Sydney was a great place. It was a um, fantastic Um, I think surroundings to grow up in. I met some great people, but I don't ever think it was home. And so uh, weirdly, um, my first year out of school, 1987, I entered the Stock Exchange and that was the worst year to ever enter the financial industry. Um, So I was in the stock market. I was retrenched in October of that year. I had no idea what I was going to do. I walked into a bottle shop um, to a chain in uh, Neutral Ray called Theo's and asked for a job. I was very fortunate to get one. It was a busy time of the year. It was November, and that started my, I suppose, digression into um, my my interest in wine. And apart from mum and dad drinking wine and having it on the table, Quite regularly, and it was uh, it wasn 't necessarily a passion of theirs, but it was something that they certainly had a lot of friends who were involved in the industry and so I felt that <clears throat> perhaps this was an opening for me and not necessarily at that stage thinking back into agriculture but that 's ultimately where it 's taken me but at the time it was um, I was surrounded by interesting people, very progressive and Um, I think this this industry has has taught me an enormous amount of things. But what I could see very quickly is that the industry um, was very passionate. And so um, I read and studied in wine and that sort of took me to South Australia twice. And the first time was to do um, basically a degree in wine marketing. And then the second time was to come down and do a vintage in 1994 with – a guy called Warren Randall who um, has a great name for himself in the industry and certainly what I would call um, a leader and an icon and um, that my first vintage in 1994 at Andrew Garretts where he was chief winemaker. I also met my now wife Melissa um, and she had just come off a sort of um, an international holiday and um, her dad, had formed or forged um, a very strong footprint in uh, grape growing, <clears throat> so I um, I fell in love with Melissa and I um, very quickly, and I also um, I think from the very naive business person that I was at that point saw an opportunity, essentially perhaps to be able to take um, maybe what. Her mum and dad had formed as a, as a grape growing business into maybe being able to start my adventure in winemaking. Uh, so I worked with Warren for a couple of years and then I went and probably did my real winemaking apprenticeship with Chester at Derenberg. And that really taught me, I think, about the art. Um, he's a very creative individual individualistic um, individual that, you know, follows his belief and passion to the end degree. And I have nothing but incredible respect for him as a person. And both of those two gentlemen, I think, now looking back in, really crafted, um, I suppose, a belief in two very different sides of maybe winemaking in the industry, but taught me some really interesting lessons about... Um, perhaps what it is you need to do and how you need to do it, and then through I suppose those learning and and sitting down and and thinking what would the opportunity be if we were to perhaps start something as a wine brand and discussions with Melissa and thinking you know is it possible and where do we want to go and starting a young family in two thousand and. You know, we had perhaps a, a calling to go into the Hunter and work for a big business and, and that would have taken us away and especially her away from her family. And so we decided to, yeah, in a really long way of saying, I'm sorry this has taken too long, but, you know, we, we decided to stay in McLaren Vale and, and start making wine for the first time um, off the family estate and, and started a business called Gemtree Wines.
0: Mm. I mean, you talking about um, Randall and, and Chester. I mean, you not only great winemakers, but really business savvy people as well. So you really did learn from the best in terms of a uh, the the big picture of of the industry you were kind of getting yourself into, really.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's been really important, Chantay, in my development as a as a person because I was a I was a a marketer and, you know, I, I, okay, my parents had an understanding of agriculture, um, but the industry was completely foreign. So I'd, I'd learned perhaps, um, from, um, a school of education around how to market things and how to sell things. And, but ultimately essentially the, I think the teachings of what you've just said of those two people was, okay, define your craft. Number one, um, what is your point of difference? And then commercially be able to um, communicate that, right, through to whatever it is, you know, your tribe, your people, um, and don't venture too far away from what it is you know that you're really good at. And I, I keep on coming back to this all the time that, um, you know we um the industry is vast we have we're here essentially as people for a period of time what um Melissa and I are very very firm believers in the way that we do things, and for no absolutely at no point are we saying um, we're the best um, we can sit back and relax and i I think that the the industry and the business that we're involved in. Um, there are so many checkpoints along the way to to make it real. And we, um, there is not a day that I go through in the process of uh, my role, my job, the people I work with where I don't learn something. And, you know, it's not always great, Shantae. We, we're at, um, and this is not sympathy, this is just the reality that this industry is as challenging as it ever has been however, that also creates a great opportunity to continually reshape um, what it is you do and how you do it and to build relationships with people who I think are like minded and I as an industry and a person who works in this industry um, you have to have a lot of patience, and you and you have to be thinking long term. Because if if you're not prepared, I think to make adjustments to uh, perhaps your vision or your strategy, and continue to refine, um, uh, you'll become very bored very quickly, and therefore you would move out of this industry. So we find a lot of people who are involved in, um, I think, the wine industry where. Um, they're what we call lifers you know we we are constantly i think we're we're making sure that um, we we're, we're looking we're, we''re reshaping we're relooking we're strategically thinking about um, the processes the business model um, all the things that we do on a day-to-day basis to make sure that um, our business model is sound, and that's not Saying we move away from the strategy it's just it's it's making sure that as business owners proprietors custodians makers growers that we are um, endeavoring to I think continuously improve right and that's not saying when you have a model that's working move away from it and and um, aspirationally you need to be bigger or better or Um, you know, making wines in a different way. But the journey that Melissa and I have gone through with this vineyard and into wine brand in diversification has, um, it is just given, it's given us an opportunity, first of all, that I didn't ever think was possible, right, as an individual. And... I, I what I thought, well, what I saw when I, we first started making wine off the vineyard back in 1998 to where we are today, I would never have actually thought that was possible.
0: I don't know if it's got something to do with um, maybe being um, people that listen to the ebbs and flows of vintage um, and vintage conditions that I think makes a lot of time winemakers – are flexible in that they do need to change and adapt depending on what the weather and mother nature has given them year by year but you, it's very true it, in business you need to do so as well and that's been never more apparent than these last couple of years where everything's gone out the window and and like you said you do have to restructure things and look at, at what you can do and and maybe what you can't control but I whenever I think about your brand I think um that it was incredibly fortunate because for me, I see Melissa, your wife, being chief viticulturist and co-owner, but really such a compliment to what you offer as well. So tell me a little bit about uh, meeting Melissa and also about what she does in terms of um, adding her incredible brain and talent to um, the other half of Gemtree.
1: Wow. Okay. Well, she's more than half, Shanti. That's the first thing. <laughs> um,
0: Glad to hear you I mean, say it.
1: <laughs> oh, look, it's it's. Um, um, well, I'm the luckiest man alive. Um, you know, we <clears throat> the 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 passion and the vision and the foresight, um, the emotional attachment, um, the connection. You know, she um, she has so many more skills, essentially, um, of understanding and being able to be the glue, um, not only in a business perspective, but our our family, which is which is paramount. So, um, you know, Melissa's role in this business is. Um, it's all-encompassing people gravitate to her because of her personality uh, she's kind um, she's uh, she's um, strategic um, I think that that without doubt her passion essentially around sustainability um, has driven this business into a into a phase that, it just wouldn't have been possible had other people been, been involved in direction, including me. So, and her connection back into, into family and land is is the most important. Well, no, it's not the most important. It's a very, it's a critical part, I think, in our, our um ongoing development because we never lose sight of the fact that, we're so fortunate to be where we are. So I think Melissa's role, we talk about, you know, chief viticulturist and co-owner and whatever, but, you know, she's also managing the cellar door. She's the pillar of um, our tourism movement. Um, you know, she's a great communicator, not only across her team, but also um, the whole business and, and um, we all – I think learn from a from a different approach from different people all the time and so um you know i'm very I'm very fortunate to be working with her um, We're very different people, but I think that that has its pros and cons, and I think maybe I'm a bit more <clears throat> um, maybe. Uh, well, I'll say emotionally high-wired in terms of, you know, perhaps some of my decisions are a bit more reactive, which in some instances can be beneficial, but in other instances will be detrimental. So I th- I think the balance of the yin and yang within the company is very good. And um, I couldn't think of a better person to... Uh, be running the ship. And as we go further down this pathway, Shantae, it's very, very clear that I am playing a supportive role, not only essentially with what we do in business, but actually um, also more so on the home front and the family front. And and that's been a great um, maturing uh, process for me to go through as an individual because... The stereotypical male, um, <laughs> you know, what is that? <laughs> what is that? That's a great question. <laughs> so you know, I'm learning every day on a business front, on a home front, on a you know, and that that encompasses our family, you know, as a family life, and <clears throat> um, it, it's a great opportunity, you know, when we go through life to to keep on looking in and thinking, how do I grow? And I have, you know, we've got three beautiful kids. We've got um, one who's about to turn 21, one who's 19 and one who's 12 and two boys and a girl. And, um, you know, I'm certainly not um, in any way, shape or form um, living under any sort of... um, Um, what would we say there any, any, my, my main role in this, in this life is to be incredibly present with my kids to assist them when they need me um, for information and the business used to absolutely rule and determine who I was as a person. Um, That is certainly not the case now. So coming back into your question around Melissa and, you know, I'm learning all the time about um, how to be a better person. I'm I'm working as much as on the business as I am on myself. And I think um, when we get an opportunity to work, we'll say side by side um, with someone who you have an emotional attachment to, but also um, is your kindred spirit in business now that, That's really unique. So we're in a really fortunate posse at the moment and don't take advantage of um, any part of that um, because it's uniquely special. It
0: certainly is. And I think that, you know, with my engagement that I've had so far with your wines and and your story is that it really comes across that, I think, that you know who you are are as as a business but also who you are as people and as a family unit and it all is expressed in everything that you do each day so when you know someone walks away whether it be from your cellar door or from a tasting with you they get a real sense of what you guys are about and I think that that is one of the most important stories that you can be telling and I think the the gem tree eco trail is a big part of that so do you want to tell us a little bit about the eco trail
1: Sure. So the um, with the development of um, the great growing business with Melissa's mum and dad, you know, Paul and Jewel Buttery, that um, there was an opportunity to purchase a, um, a piece of land, neighbouring piece of land up in the foothills of McLaren flat where um, the rest of um, the viticulture was and is <clears throat> and there was a degraded essentially dairy farm and on part of that dairy farm was an old creek line essentially that had um, what we found out later 60 tons of um, scrap metal basically dumped in there from all the years of people thinking this is a good opportunity to be able to dump something without cost. and. <clears throat> um, we we found out we looked at essentially the rest of the land we had around us, and that was around 300 acres, and um, there wasn't any demand at that point too. And the land, essentially, that it was sitting on wasn't deemed usable for viticulture. So, um, through Melissa's sustainable and um, ecological ecological vision, um, she had a discussion with Greening Australia. And um, we formed a partnership with them and that partnership was around being able to rejuvenate um, a piece of land to give something back to nature. Now, at that point, I don't think anyone really understood what that opportunity was or what it really meant, but it felt good because there were some beautiful um, over 200 plus year red gum trees in this site and... Thank goodness uh, nobody decided to you know to cut them down. The land wasn't deemed acceptable for planting, and so out of that 25 acre area, <clears throat> um, through the help of Greening Australia, back in 1994, we decided to start a tree planting community exercise. So Arbor Day, essentially, which is Natural Tree Planting Day, um, we would get the community involved and host a barbecue. And obviously have some gem tree wine, which everyone thought I'm going to plant a tree and get a free glass of wine. That's a great trade-off. So um, very quickly, all of a sudden, this little pocket within our vineyard started to take shape as um, something that we didn't think it was. And so then through discussions with... Um, like minded people, it was like, okay, well, we are now going to, as a, as a business, dedicate this to um, back to nature. So then, out of that, what we wanted to be able to do was to um, perhaps showcase that in agriculture it is possible to be able to coexist with nature so to be able to farm and give back at the same time so we had an understanding that we had this site and it wasn't about being able to get economic benefit from it but it was about to it was it was about being able to give back to the site or to the land to open this up to the public to showcase how perhaps a business can coexist in nature and how it's not about commercial benefit but how we then can contribute to making sure that the longevity of the land is actually really, truly sustainable. And that, that really happened around 2001 to 2002 where we decided... To open up the Eco Trail as a one kilometre walking path for people, families, et cetera, to come in, have a walk around, have a picnic, um, and maybe to just enjoy essentially in the heart of, we'll say, the McLaren Vale region, right? what it is that you can coexist as a we'll call it a grape growing viticultural winemaking business but also be very connected with nature and make sure you're contributing the second part of that which i think is really important is that what it's done is it's created the biodiversity across the vineyard which is absolutely crucial that fits in with our philosophy so part one was giving back into nature and saying, okay, we have an obligation to be able to. So we are farmers and we are taking fruit off the land every year, but we actually can make sure that our footprint is not degrading every year. That's the part part one. And then part two is that, okay, <clears throat> we... Um, can open this up as an area essentially to be able to say to people, well, this is a little place where you can come to rest, right, and maybe, you know, reconnect with nature in some way, shape or form and that was the start of the Gemtree Eco Trail.
0: And it's going great guns today. I mean, you've got, you've also got emus on the property and do you have koalas? You have koalas within the area too, is that right?
1: there's a koala rescue so it's called a gunya which is so we're taking um, koalas that are being rehabilitated essentially so we have relationships essentially with local people um, that um, have uh, koalas that need to be brought back into you know into nature so we've got a what's called a gunya there where the koalas can sit very naturally um, be rehabilitated so during the fires um, that came through in 2019. Um, the gunya was packed with koalas, but, you know, it's a, it's a nice um, sort of area that takes you away, let's say, from the commercialisation the reality of every single thing that we do every day, and it's actually a really lovely place for families to, to come and, and um, I just think just out of the heart of the region um, enjoy a bit of nature.
0: I think it's so incredibly smart as well. I mean, I know that you offer, you can do bike tours around the Eco Trail, you can stay in a a cabin, and essentially, you, you know, you're winning people over by showing them just how unique and beautiful your part of the world is without having really to do much except for, to just give them the opportunity to experience that. And and on top of that, you've got an amazing cellar door so that you can come and try the wines. But uh, I, when I visit a region, the first thing I want to do is see the natural beauty of the area. That's my first go-to. And, and it would be in any place I go in the world is like, what is this place and what's the story that I'm, I need to learn from it? So I think that that's been really smart, but also just um, the right way to go about things in terms of your philosophy as well.
1: Hmm. Yeah, connection's an connection, interesting thing, isn't it? I, I think that, um, <clears throat> you know, we're sort of back in, back into nature and um, I think we've learnt that the last two years, two and a half years, has been interesting for all of us on many fronts and there's many takeaways, but one of them I think is um, place is important you know, so you know, taking away perhaps some of the things that um, uh, the pressures and <clears throat> the um, the issues that um, have come become part of our lives, and so we're um, we're more aware than we ever have been. I think of um, that the, the place of, of where we come from and and how we can maybe contribute back into making the planet that we live on last a little bit longer. Yeah. And I think that reiteration of if we all make perhaps one change or can do one thing that will assist this process, then at least we're making a contribution. And I think that's really important and that's become very heightened um, it's always been there, but it's become a lot more prevalent in the last couple of years. And so, <clears throat> you know, we we don't pretend for a second that we're the best at what we do. Um, what we feel very comfortable with is that we're making a contribution. That can always be improved and we're constantly working on that. But um, hand on heart, I think um, if we can give people a place where they have some sort of connection with, and it doesn't necessarily, again, have to have a monetary value, but then you're making a contribution to their welfare.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What What do you love most when you think about, you know, taking a particular hard year or a good year and, and then bottling it and going through the process of every day waking up on on your little patch of dirt, what, what are some of the most rewarding parts at the end of the day? What what keeps you uh, going back and getting up early in the morning every day in your life?
1: Mm. I, Shanta, I think it's um, – so finding a balance is important. I think that, you know, to me, um, I suppose our business, there's – that performs a function but it doesn't define us. Um understanding that that and being comfortable with that is crucially important. And you know, I'm I'm far from perfect this. I had a um, um I had a moment this morning essentially where, you know, Melissa and I had a very um open and frank discussion about, you know, this is this is as tough as it's ever been and you question um, your belief and your pathway and not who you are, but, you know, um, you know, uh, we, we're making headway here and whatever. So I think um, we, what keeps you going is that um, the people around you, number one, I think that, the you know, the industry um, is full of resilient people. I was very fortunate just to be invited um, to another person where you could call it competition within the region to their venue because they wanted to involve me, not because um, I'm important, but because it wasn't about that particular brand or that particular person they wanted to make it more about some people within the region who have a point of difference or maybe a point of interest i you know i think that collaborative approach of it's not about you know just one one particular thing that in in life that is going to make the difference between whatever you want to define as success that i i think every day Um, you know as an individual I have an opportunity I'm constantly learning I'm 53 Um, I'm very very fortunate to be living where I am Um, we have a great opportunity yet it absolutely is challenging and challenging me sometimes to the point of not breaking down and and bursting into tears not that I have a problem with that but that's not where all my emotions are at at the moment. It's giving me, it driving me to continually look at how we improve as a business, and that's not in isolation. I'm not alone. So I, I think you know um, the, the the journey and the opportunity of um, what we have in front of us drives me every day to, I think look for continuous improvement and that could be related to myself or it could be related to components in the business
0: yeah i think it, it, there is a natural part of of our makeup is to grow and learn and and develop isn't there and so something that feeds that is is that is exchange but it also Gives you something different to look forward to each day, you know, knowing that it's not going to be exactly the same as, as the day before it. And like you said, it comes with challenging moments, and sometimes you think, God, what, what's it all for? But, um, nice to know that, 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 you know, that's a, a part of your philosophy is to, to keep, um, striving and keep, learning essentially, I think is just, that's a, that's a wonderful gift to be given is to the opportunity to learn. So um, I, now your, your portfolio, I mean, I, I won't dip into it too far, but because I love it. I absolutely love your portfolio. I think it really covers the bases of tr- some beautiful traditional wines and also really exciting, experimental, lots of fun wines, lots of, delicious juicy numbers in there there's a little bit of something for everything for everyone i find in the gem tree portfolio how do you find a balance between essentially the two you know making wines that you have been making for some time and also finding that balance in looking to maybe new um methods of aging or whether it be your um wine that you bury underneath you back into the ground where do you add a wine into your portfolio and think okay, this is going to have a place here?
1: Mm. Wow. So I, I th- the business of the, at the moment <clears throat> I think captures the elements of tradition but also completely understanding the opportunity of um, working with um, the styles of... That are that are more relevant to region than the styles of the past. So we um, have set set ourselves a mission um, in not chasing a particular style, but making sure that the the varietal composition of of the brand is relevant, and and therefore it's it's constant change. So we, you know, if we look at um, when Melissa started working in her father 's business and a viticultural uh, company that um, the vineyard was set up in a very different way to what it is you know today so it was it was set up as a as a workhorse essentially of supply and now it is uh, the master of quality and with that. Um, there's been the change in the way that we grow the grapes. That's not even the methodology that we use in terms of biodynamic or organic, but that was in terms of the viticultural structure and with that also then the varieties that we grow. So um, our palates are changing constantly. Um, you know, as a business that we are certainly not set in stone, yes, we're agriculture, yes, we need to be relevant, um, but one of the things that... that we have always been very focused on is is making sure that um, the varieties we grow here are relevant to region. So um the the birth and, and we are not pioneers here. So don't please don't take this as for a second as that I am suggesting for a second that GemTree has pioneered this pathway we followed. Um, you know, so Fiano and Grenache and, um, you know, so those two varieties in particular, um, you know, Fiano we've come to um, out of Chardonnay uh, because Chardonnay is not relevant for McLaren Vale, but incredibly relevant to Australia and globally as a variety. Um, Grenache, so why Fiano, because um, it's a textural aromatic white that is easy to understand, people can pronounce it, and delicious to drink. Grenache um, is a variety that has been synonymous with McLarendale for uh, um, as long as Shiraz, if not longer. So, you know, sort of mid-1800s. We don't have the oldest signs, but we have um, some great viticultural heritage and making, I think, styles of Grenache that – are really relevant to today's, um, we'll say, palette, right? And that's that's critical. You know, I'm, I'm very conscious of where my palette has developed over time and I'm a tiny little section, but, you know, we're constantly benchmarking varietal composition, style, what's relevant to region. Not we're going to pull out every Shiraz vine that we have because I love Shiraz in this region, but it's becoming a very, it's becoming a smaller section of what people are interested in. Yes, it's important to have in your portfolio. So coming back to your question, I think that the composition of the portfolio at the moment represents perhaps the the change of where Gemtree has been and where it's going to, fully understanding that it's, it's constantly, we'll say, in transition. And, and that means that, you know, you think of the great houses essentially of the world that does a a piece of viticultural land just sit there essentially for 150 years without change. Of course it doesn't. So, you know, we're dealing with climatic conditions, changing climatic conditions. We're dealing with changing consumer trends. And it's not about throwing the baby out of the the bathwater. You know, my mother says something very simple about sticking to your knitting. Yes, you do that. But you know, you're also very, very conscious of, of where we see um, flavors and and palette trends changing and being relevant to be able to have an offering across a global market, which is very, very different, to be able to say, yes, we can do this. And it's not that our brand does everything for everyone but I think that we have something that will appeal to someone somewhere.
0: Oh, well, you can be certainly sure of that. I can definitely attest to that. <laughs> uh, it's so nice to to revisit um, revisit you guys, and I've always enjoyed your wines. I've enjoyed seeing them change and adapt over the years. that you know even comes down to the remarketing and your labels um it, it's it's Always just been a pleasure to to watch and and experience. Mike, I would like to know if you could only drink three alcoholic beverages for the rest of your life, what would they be and why? Oh,
1: wow. (laughs) (laughs) Shantae, there's a lack of preparation. Look, it's hypothetical. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) lack of preparation from my perspective. Okay, so um, I do have a love for champagne. Good, excellent. (laughs) So I'm, I'm ticking that box. Um, I will um, – I'm saying Riesling because I do, do love um, what Riesling has to offer globally in terms of you can – Riesling just – oh, my goodness me. It's just got so many um, parallels that, that becomes attractive. Yeah, And I'm going to finish um, with um, a medium-bodied red wine style that I think that the French and Italians and Spanish um, have been doing well for uh, hundreds of years. And something that you know we're, we're we're just starting to understand, I think, in this in this country a little bit more. So you know, it could be um, could be Chianti. Um, so you know, the depth and and stylistic and rustic expression of tannin maturity and um, we'll call it you know oxidative characters or. Um, Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely um, looking at the the third option of of being able to perhaps choose um, stylistically um, in that medium body section of um, red wine styles, which there's a plethora of of, of at the moment. And it's not just about light bodied and um, juicy and fruit friendly. Um, it's about depth and complexity without alcohol.
0: Mm. Yes, definitely a genre for the future um, Australian drinkers, I think. And like you said, some there is some incredible Sangiovese that just ticks all the boxes of all the nuances of so many different facets in excellent red wine, doesn't it? So I can completely see why you've chosen that, and it's a, it's a very smart move, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, it's been such a pleasure having you on. I love what you and Mel do down there. Uh, love your wines, but also love the philosophy and your um, um exposure that the way that you let people into to your hearts but also into your little place and I, I think uh it's it's a really special special little spot you've got down there and and gemtree truly is a fantastic brand so congratulations and thank you for spending some of your day with me
1: oh it's been like yeah i'm so flattered i nearly fell off my perch when um someone suggested that you might be interested in talking um to me so thank you for the opportunity and it's an absolute um uh, it's wonderful to have a conversation with you over the phone and yeah um, you keep up your good work and um, I look forward to the next opportunity when we have to cross paths
0: Definitely will and look I have to, I meant to say earlier during the second lockdown that we had uh, you, you were kind enough to send a bottle of wine out to every single person on my wine team and we got together and had a a glass, and uh, it was the time to bring everyone together and have a chat. And uh, then we popped your your egg granache on the on the list when we got back, and it went absolutely gangbusters because everyone was so affected by that experience and and by meeting the two of you over Zoom that um we couldn't keep the wine you know it was coming in and out out the door every day. So thank you very much for that. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Shantae. Yeah, awesome. Lovely talking to you. You take care.
0: You too. Chat soon. Bye. This is over a glass i'm shante whale stay tuned for more stories from the world of wine and drinks listen in every thursday on your podcast app follow us on instagram at over a pod and contact us at over glass at deep